0: A reading from the beginning of the book of the prophet Jonah. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jonah, son of Amittai Set out for the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah made ready to flee to Tarshish away from the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a, ch- a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went abroad to journey with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. The Lord, however, hurled a violent wind upon the sea, and in the furious tempest that arose, the ship was on the point of breaking up. Then the mariners became frightened, and each one cried to his God. To lighten the ship for themselves, they threw its cargo into the sea. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship, "'and lay there fast asleep. "'The captain came to him and said, "'What are you doing asleep? "'Rise up, call upon your God. "'Perhaps God will be mindful of us "'so that we may not perish.' "'Then they said to one another, "'Come, let us cast lots to find out "'on whose account we have met with this misfortune.' "'So they cast lots and thus singled out Jonah.' Tell us, they said, what is your business? Where do you come from? What is your country, and to what people do you belong? Jonah answered them, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now the men were seized with great fear and said to him, How could you do such a thing? They knew that he was fleeing from the Lord, because he had told them. They asked, What shall we do with you? that the sea may quiet down for us. For the sea was growing more and more turbulent. Jonah said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, that it may quiet down for you, since I know it is because of me that this violent storm has come upon you. Still the men rowed hard to regain the land, but they could not, for the sea grew ever more turbulent. Then they cried to the Lord, we beseech you, O Lord, Let us not perish for taking this man's life. Do not charge us with shedding innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done as you saw fit. Then they took Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the seas raging abated. Struck with great fear of the Lord, the men offered sacrifice and made vows to him. But the Lord sent a large fish that swallowed Jonah, and Jonah remained in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Then the Lord commanded the fish to spew Jonah upon the shore. The word of the Lord. God. You will rescue my life from the pit, O Lord. You will rescue my life from the pit, O Lord. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the midst of the netherworld, I cried for help. And you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood enveloped me. All your breakers and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am banished from your sight, yet would I again look upon your holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer reached you in your holy temple. just man will rejoice in the Lord and hope in him, and
1: all the upright of heart will Dominus vobiscum. Rexi sancti evangelii secundum Lucam. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, "Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Jesus said to him. What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live but because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Verbum Domini. This past June, Father Patrick and I were speaking at a Catholic radio event in Cedar Rapids, and we had the opportunity in Iowa, had the opportunity to go to Dyersville. I wanted to show him the beautiful Basilica of St. Francis Xavier. And while we were there, there were young people praying night prayer with the pastor, Father Christopher Podosky. And after they finished their Compline he invited us to go to visit another church that they had just recently restored one that's under his responsibility in this tiny tiny little farming village of Petersburg there's this magnificent Church of St. Peter and St. Paul if you want to see the inside you can go to their website and they have photos there and one of my favorite parts of this, they just recently restored it and, and really beautified it. It's magnificent. If you're in the area, stop by and see that little church and the, the Basilica of Dyersville. But one of my favorite parts is over the two confessionals. You've got two wood-carved images. And what would they put on those confessionals? Over the one is a wood-carved image of the prodigal son returning to the father and the father embracing him. On the other, the good Samaritan picking up the man who's half dead. And so it is that I think it's St. Augustine and others who have looked at this parable and they've seen, first of all, that the good Samaritan is Jesus. That we've been robbed of grace by original sin. That we've been wounded by our own sins and the sins of others. And we're lying half dead on the road of life. But then there's one who comes, who looks with compassion and who stoops down. And what did we hear? Lifted him up. And so the Lord is the one who lifts us up He bandages our wounds. He pours oil and wine to bring healing to them through the sacraments. And where does he take us? He takes us to the inn of the church where we would continue to be provided for. And what are these two silver coins but the redemption that he has won for us, the salvation he's given to us, the grace that has been poured out upon us to pay for our salvation, for our eternal life. But then our Lord also says that we too must do likewise. And so whenever we treat someone with mercy, that we are imitating what he has already done for us personally. And if we really take that to heart and really understand that, it's gonna motivate us to look also, as Jesus did, as a good Samaritan did, to look with compassion on others and try to alleviate their suffering, most of all by bringing them to Christ so that they can have life in him, new life in him. And also when we are reading through the book of Jonah these first days of this week, that there are those who have looked at this and they said, you know, there's a similarity between the book of Jonah and the parable of the prodigal son. They see a similarity in that, because what happens? Both, in both cases, you have this mercy. You have, in the one hand, the people of Nineveh, who decide to return, to be converted, to repent, and turn back to the Lord the other, the prodigal son. And you have this outpouring of mercy, but then what do you have at the conclusion of Jonah? Jonah. What do you have at the conclusion of the parable of the prodigal son? Somebody's unhappy about it, <laughs> about God's mercy. So the elder son, in the case of the prodigal son, but also Jonah, he's unhappy about it. And this this uh, book of the prophet is only two pages long, so you can see this and, and read through it today if you'd like, that Jonah's unhappy about this, that God would show, I wouldn't have gone and preached. If I'd have known you're going to show so much mercy. So really this message for us today in a profound way is mercy. First of all, that we have received so abundantly God's compassion toward us, his mercy toward us, that he has lifted us up when we were lying half dead along the road of life. And He continues to bring us healing a new life, that a place has been prepared for us. The Church assists us in this life, but there's a place in the Father's house, ultimately, where Jesus is bringing us to. I also wanted to bring up as well, and today for our responsorial psalm, we didn't have something from the Book of Psalms, but actually the prayer of Jonah, as he's in the belly of this sea creature. He's in the belly of this creature. He's praying out, and he says, Out of my distress, I called to you. In the midst of the netherworld, I cried for help, and you heard my voice. And so what Christians from the earliest days have seen in the significance of Jonah is a symbol of the resurrection. Of course, our Lord himself taught us that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, I believe it is, where he says... In yeah, Matthew chapter 12, where our Lord refers to Jonah, just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You have someone greater than Jonah here. And so from the earliest days, Christians have recognized in the book of the prophet Jonah A symbol of Christ's own resurrection as he himself taught us that we really understand the Old Testament only in light of the new that's how we come to understand the significance of these prefigurements of the one who was to come of Christ so in the catacombs you see this so the catacombs are in Rome there's many catacombs that are there also outside of Rome and Italy and Sicily and Sardinia, you find these catacombs because they have this sandstone where they could easily dig down. And that's where the burial places of people were and Christians. And they would often decorate these catacombs, these burial places, with symbols of the resurrection. And it's interesting, that the word cemeterium in Greek means dormitory. It's a place to sleep before you're arisen. And our Lord himself, you think about his saying that Lazarus was asleep when he was dead. Because for the Christians, we realize that this is just a temporary place until the final resurrection and glory. But I wanted to show you some pictures of what are found in the catacombs. And in fact, you can find this in your own catechism. The very first two sections, the one having to do with faith and the one having to do with the sacraments have an image from the catacombs. So the first one regarding faith is the oldest image we have of our lady with the child Jesus. It's the oldest image we have. So if you don't have a catechism, get one. And you can see that image from the catacombs and of course that precedes the section on the section on faith because our faith is about god becoming man in the virgin and the second section on the sacraments they also have an image from the catacombs and this image is the woman touching the hem of jesus garment and she's healed and so again the sacraments are that way in which we come into contact with Christ and we find healing and we find new life. But I wanted to show you from the catacomb of Saints Marcellinus and Peter, who were two martyrs, you find this on the, on the, the ceiling of the catacomb. And I have some other. Blown up images would be easier to see, but for our television audience, you have at the center Jesus as the Good Shepherd. That's the center of it all, isn't it? Jesus is the Good Shepherd. But you also have two images, and remember, this is a burial place of people, of Jonah. So here's Jonah being thrown out of the boat, and here's Jonah being spewed out. <laughs> from the sea creature onto the land. And then you have a family with the Orans position. You know, that's why a priest holds his hands in this position at Mass. It goes. It's a very ancient posture, in fact. In our office of readings today, St. Paul says, I wish you to offer prayers with blameless hands uplifted. Lifting up our hands. And it looks like Jonah is also holding up his hands in prayer. So he does pray as he was within that sea creature. So here is a blown-up image of Jonah being thrown out, sea creature waiting for him here. And then here's Jonah. but He's being spewed out on the, the, the land, but he's got his hands also, it seems, in the Oran's position. So we can think of that Again, we understand the Old Testament in light of the new. That's how we can fully understand the significance of these Old Testament figures. But also, as we too, that we all know that there will be an end of our lives one day, but that we can go forward with hope because the Son of Man was buried three days and three nights in the earth and that he rose again from the dead. That's always been the heart of our hope, that we too will come to a like resurrection. And so we can see in that, in today's uh, responsorial psalm, from Jonah's prayer within the beast, that we too can call out to the Lord. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the midst of the netherworld, Sheol, I cried for help, and you heard my voice when my soul fainted within me i remember the lord my prayer reached you so our prayer too reaches the lord in our difficulties and trials of our life today's readings remind us of the great mercy of god that he has shown toward us jesus is the good samaritan but then he also tells us that if we're going to be his followers It's quite simple, isn't it? Teacher, what must I do to have eternal life, to inherit eternal life? How complicated is it? How do you read it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. That's the way to life. It's quite simple. So let us love the Lord our God by praying every day, by trusting in him, by interceding for the needs of the world as we do in this mass today, by loving him, seeking to do his will and carrying out his plans and purposes. That's how we love the Lord our God, with everything we have. But then he also says, love your neighbor as yourself, to be a true neighbor to one another, to help one another in distress.